0: All right. Good morning, everyone. So glad you joined us today uh, as we continue in our series on 1 Peter. Now, some of you are like, 1 Peter? Wh- when did we start that? It was eons ago we started 1 Peter. We've taken a break over the last uh, little while. We celebrated, um, we celebrated Pentecost and then we also celebrate, which is the coming of the Holy Spirit. We celebrate the ascension of Jesus. And so we've had a few weeks off uh, from uh, studying uh, First Peter. Now there is a particular challenge, a unique challenge that we as followers of Jesus face today. Uh, the unique challenge actually has to do with being Christian and being Canadian. And it's unique to us. And by unique to us, what, what, by this I mean that the early church didn't have the same kinds of struggle. The root struggle was the same, but it showed up differently. See, uh, for the early church and the people Peter was writing to, they grew up in an environment, although the Roman Empire had a form of democracy. Um, It was not democracy as we experience democracy today. In practicality for the early believers, uh, they just lived in a dictatorship. They had no voice. They had no vote. They had no influence in the culture or in the greater political realm. Uh, They just had none of that power where we live in a very different uh, uh, um, uh, political climate, don't we? As Canadians, we have both Uh, Not only the right to voice and the right to vote, uh, we also have the responsibility in a democracy to give our voice and to give our vote. Because here's the thing, democracy breaks down if the citizens don't give voice or vote. Democracy only works when the citizens of the country give their voice and give their vote. And so this is a, a very unique, compared to the people that we're going to uh, talk about uh, in First Peter, it's unique to us. Uh, we have power because we're citizens of a country in a democracy. And we have influence and we have voice. And I believe, as Christians, we are called in Scripture to be good citizens Which means as Christians, it's not only our civic duty, it's our spiritual godly duty to give voice and to give vote in the country in which we live or the country wouldn't work well. That's how democracies work. But here's the uh, unique challenge for us in a democracy. And this is where I said it's a unique challenge for us. The challenge is this. Sometimes it feels as though we have to give up this so that we can be this, or we have to give up this, so that we can do this. Sometimes it feels like, and you've probably experienced this, that uh, when we engage in politics, and to give voice and vote means we all engage in politics, that oftentimes Christians put their Christian behavior to the side. And we get so politically charged that we just run after our political agenda, and and you've probably done this, I've done this, that suddenly I start acting not all that Christian anymore. And it's almost like I'm either Canadian or I'm Christian. And how do I do both at the same time? See, because really our Christ-formed character is to inform how we live as Canadians. It's to inform how we act in the political realm in which we've all been invited and have a responsibility to engage in. Here's a controversial statement just to kind of get some things going okay, for you guys. How you behave is actually more important than how you vote. How you behave is more important than how you vote. And what I mean by this is whether you find yourself on the political spectrum of right wing, center right, I'm opposite to you, center right, center left, left. Whether you find yourself to be a little bit more socialist in nature or against socialism actually is less important than how you behave. That your Christ formed character informs how you behave It will also maybe inform how you vote, but it will inform how you agree, but also how you disagree with people who see it differently and how you agree and also how you disagree with the leadership and the authority that's been given to us in this country. But unfortunately, for many of us, our behavior goes out of the window because of how we vote. And we stop acting Christian because we start acting Canadian in the sense that we get so involved in politics. And we've done this, you've done this, I'm sure we've all done this. There's been times our behavior just wasn't all that Christ-like. We got so jacked up on, a, on an agenda, on, a, on, on something that was politically uh, you know, challenging or something that we got excited about, and we just started slandering, we just started uh, uh, dishonoring those who are in leadership above us. You know, it's interesting we can get so charged up about this earthly kingdom. And I think sometimes as Christians, we may forget, we actually have a different king. We actually have a different kingdom in which we're to live in and behave in, and a kingdom in which we're also going to bring to earth. Maybe sometimes we need to be reminded, as great as Canada is, and I love Canada, I love democracy, as great as Canada is, When we die, we will not die and go to Canada. (laughs) We will die and go to heaven. And this is a new kingdom. And Jesus called us to live by the rules of a different kind of kingdom. And yes, we still live in the world. And yes, that does not mean that we won't have voice and won't have vote in a democracy. But it will change how we behave with our voice and with with our vote as well. Well, Peter, as he continues, he talks about the challenges of living in a political environment in the kingdom of this world, even as we're called to live under the rule of a different king, the king of heaven. And I just want to say on the front end, as he kind of dives into this, this is an extremely challenging and extremely convicting part of scripture. I would rather just not preach on it cause I know I'm gonna get emails and I know you guys are gonna be like, ah, I just don't agree with you. So what we did is we set up an email account to the apostle Peter directly. You can just email peter at mountallofefc.com and he assured me if he responds, he takes your concern legitimately, okay? And if you don't hear anything, that's just between you and him, okay? No, just kidding. But, I, you know, I, I asked all around, I asked, hey, would anyone, anyone just preach on this passage? I'll take the Sunday off. And you know, you know what happened? It's, it's kind of what happens to you every time you move and you have the piano. <laughs> and then you call your friends who you thought were your friends and suddenly they're all busy. And so I was left preaching this passage, okay? So, so what I want to do is I want to dive into this and then I would like you, because I think this is something we don't talk enough about, we live in, a, in, a, in an interesting environment where we're Canadian and we have this, this great opportunity to speak in and a, and a right and responsibility to speak in, but we're Christian how do we do this well? And what Peter does is he dives into this and he's just talked about this, this big picture. He says, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You've been built up, you probably forgot this because we, we talked about Peter so long ago. He, you've been built up as God's people. Into this new kind of household. And then he says, here's how you live. And it's so different than how the world lives. Which means as it relates to politics, as it relates to authority, as it relates to our government, as it relates to our voice and vote. The, the society around us in what we post online, in the words that come out of our mouths, with the attitude that come out. They should look at us and say, that's different. That's not, that's not, that's not how, how we do it. This is Peter's point, and as he dives into this, he brings up two words that we in, 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 free, you know, in our free democratic society, we don't put these two words together, and especially as Christians, we've been given freedom in Christ. This is the gospel, right? We rarely put these two together. In fact, when you hear these two words, you're probably going to be tempted to go get some coffee and just walk out the back door, okay? So the doors are closed, no more coffee, you probably think, did he just say a four-letter curse word? I did not, okay? Here's the two words that Peter puts together, and it's so, so challenging. He puts these two words together, authority and submission. I didn't swear, okay? He put these two words together, and if you have your Bibles, go to 1 Peter chapter 2, and starting in verse 13, as we live in this society, in the kingdoms of this world, how do we live the kingdom of heaven under the king of heaven? Here's what Peter says submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Okay, so when Peter says submit, that word submit, there's a few different, it's a a Greek word, we're translated to English, but it has this idea, uh, Pastor Wayne, you can't get coffee right now. Okay, I said, just kidding. Okay, sorry, that was mean. Um, Go ahead, go get coffee. (laughs) Uh, I don't, I shouldn't do that. It's gonna be a long week. Okay. <laughs> when he says submit, it's this idea of put yourself under. It doesn't mean you're less. It's a voluntary, I'm gonna put myself under. I'm gonna make myself in subordination to. In some senses, and sometimes, it, it even means obey. So it's this idea of putting yourself under, obey, be subordinate to. Submit yourselves, for the Lord's sake, to every human authority. Like, every human authority? Yeah. Like, if it's physical, if there's a person and they're an authority, here's what you're to do. So Peter, right off the bat, says, here's what you're supposed to do, the what, and here's whom you're supposed to do it to. And this is so counter us. It's countercultural. I think in our society today, and I think it's increased since COVID, but there is this anti-authoritarian spirit welling up in our culture today, and it's in the church, it's in all of us. And I think there's a, a few things, this is my own thinking, you can wrestle with this yourself. I think that part of what has contributed to this is the age of information. We just live in an age of information and, and you can just find stuff out about anything and anyone. And as it relates to leaders, to human authority, because we don't like to submit ourselves, we find all kinds of loopholes to, to submitting to human authority. And one of the loopholes we find is, when we find dirt on someone, we're like, well, I guess I just don't have to submit to them, right? And here's the deal, you can find dirt on anyone. Just Google it, right? You can Google any, any leader's name in the world and you will find dirt on that person. And suddenly you're like, well, they have an agenda, so I don't have to follow them. Well, they did some evil stuff, so I don't have to follow them. And, and so we distrust. There is this distrust being built on human authority. Does this mean that leaders don't need to be held accountable? Of course it doesn't mean that. Leaders should be held accountable. But there's so much information. If you want to find dirt on someone, you can find dirt on someone. You just Google it. And then you can kind of just talk yourself out of having to do what Peter calls us. To do, I think the age of information has kind of encouraged this. In fact, I have a sneaky suspicion that if Moses or King David or the Apostle Paul or the Apostle Peter came and were our political leaders, we'd write them off too. Do you know the dirt on them? <laughs> There's a lot of reason we shouldn't follow them either. And so because people aren't perfect, we kind of just say, well, I don't have to listen. You have, you're messed up. The other thing is, because of the age of information, as it relates to human authority, um, we can just find someone with a different opinion, right? I mean, whether it's health stuff, whether it's political stuff, whether it's whatever stuff, we've all become professionals in everything because we just Google it. I do that. I'm really smart. I just Google it, right? And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, I just distrust this leader. I distrust this leader. And I don't, I'm not going to put myself under their authority. And there's this anti-authoritarian spirit that's growing in our culture and i don't think it's christian and here's why because authority is actually a god thing god has given us authority he's given us leadership for our good and submission is also a god thing even within the godhead jesus submitted himself to the authority of the father and was obedient to death even death on a cross and the holy spirit you remember this from pentecost the Holy Spirit submitted himself to the authority of Jesus, and he is all about Jesus. He was sent into the world by Jesus and by the Father. And so this idea of mutual submission and authority, it's, it's even in the Godhead. And here's the deal. If we're not willing to put ourselves under authority, and everyone just does what's right in their own eyes, do you, what you end up having, do you know where anti-authoritarianism leads? Chaos. And that is bad for all of us. Nobody wins. And this is why I think throughout Scripture, so often we're called to pray for our leaders because we need good leaders, because authority is a good thing. And we need good leaders so that it's good for all of us. Of course, bad authority is a bad thing. And this is the tension that we wrestle with. So he says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. So he says, Here's what you're to do, here's whom you're supposed to do it to. And then, do you catch, he also gives us the reason why. It's in the verse. Here's why. For the Lord's sake. In essence, Peter says, put yourself under human authority, not because you're not free, but because you're under Jesus. And Jesus has asked you to put yourself under human authority. And at this point, I know there's a lot of, yeah, but, yeah, but, you know. Where's the loophole on this? Because this, I know where this leads, right? Like, this is just leads to abuse of authority. Where's the loophole on this? And I want to tell you, there is a loophole. There's a very strong, clear, I think the clearest loophole to, uh, to not submit in scripture is in scripture. But here's the interesting thing. The loophole to not submit is the exact same reason Peter has called us to submit. They're one and the same. And what was the reason we submit? For the whose sake? Lord's sake. And the reason to not submit is the exact same reason. For the Lord's sake. Because what happens when the human authority who Jesus has asked us to submit under asks us to do something that Jesus said, don't do that or do that? What happens when they come in conflict with one another? The way I word it is this way, the loophole to submission, which means the loophole to not submit, is not when the authority is evil or we'd never submit to any human authority. (laughs) We're all evil, right? The loophole to submission is not when the authority is evil, but when the authority commands you do evil. When the authority commands you do something that Jesus, your Savior and Lord, has said, no, don't do that, or hey, you need to do that, and they've said, no, you can't do that. But nowhere else. In fact, Peter actually gives us this example. There's a whole bunch of examples I could look at in Scripture, and you're smart, you can probably Google it. Um, But Peter actually lived this out. There was one moment in Acts uh, chapter four where Peter and John, this right when the church was just starting, Peter and John were preaching the good news about Jesus and the religious leaders who were against Jesus pulled them in, arrested them, and then they demanded that Peter and John no longer speak the gospel, the good news of Jesus. You can no longer speak in his name. And listen to Peter and John's response. It has to do with this. Peter and John said this, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or listen to him? See, Peter understood we've been asked to live live under the authority, human authority. But when human authority and God's authority and what he's called us to are in conflict with one another, then a question starts to rise and we have to ask, which is more important? It's a rhetorical question. We know the answer, right? The answer is obvious. It is better to listen to God. But here's the interesting thing. At this point, Peter and John did not say, okay, church, the religious leaders, you know the the guys who killed Jesus and just had us arrested? They're evil. So we just disregard everything they say. Not at all. The only place they disobeyed was in the area that conflicted with what Jesus had called them to. It wasn't a complete write-off. It's not like, well, the government's evil, so I just write off everything the government says. No, no, no. If we're to disobey, it's only in the areas that conflict with what Jesus had called us to do. The loophole to submission is not when the authority is evil, but when the authority commands you do evil. And there's a lot of interpretation in this, right? At what point does the line get crossed? And that's often what we wrestle with. So here's what Peter says. Submit yourselves... For the lord's sake to every human authority and then what peter does he gives this statement and for the next 12 verses he just gives commentary on this one idea the next 12 verses is just like he goes on and on and on and he talks about why and how and where it works and how it plays out in this environment in that environment the rest of this is just commentary it all points back to this submit to authority because of Jesus. Submit to authority because of Jesus. And here's how he says it plays out in some aspects of life. Whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, he's not saying supreme, supreme authority, He's saying as the supreme human authority, Jesus is the supreme authority, right? So whether to the emperor who's the supreme human authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right, and he describes for us what good godly leadership looks like. That's what good godly leaders do. Now, what if the leadership doesn't do that? What do we do then? He's going to talk about when leadership goes bad as well. Four. It is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. It is God's will, Peter says, that the world around you, and you go back to verse 12 and verse 11 of the same chapter, he says, live such good lives that the pagans see your good lives and are like, wow, we want to know about Jesus. He says the exact same thing. It's God's will that by doing good, not with how you vote, not with the political agenda you're chasing after. The world will know you're different by your good works, by your behavior. This is what's most important. By doing good, and he goes on, he says, live as free people. You are free, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. You are completely free. In that sense, you don't have to be under any authority. You're under God's authority, but You're slaves of God and God has called you to this kind of living and then he sums it up in verse 17 regarding kind of this first piece show proper respect to everyone love the family of believers fear God honor the emperor and just one thing I want to talk about honor and respect at the end of the message again but interesting in Greek he uses the exact same word respect and honor are the exact same word we use different words in English exact same word So in essence, he says, honor, respect everyone. Oh, and by the way, the emperor, whether you like him or hate him, he's a someone. So don't respect him more. Don't put him on a pedestal. The emperor in in their day often wanted to be seen as divine or God. No, no, you just respect him as a someone. But that means you need to respect him as a someone, just as you do everyone. After Peter says this, he goes into another area of authority and submission and he says in essence the same thing here's what he says slaves in reverent fear of god submit yourselves to your masters now we hear the word slaves today and we're like wait is is peter condoning slavery is he vouching for slavery no but there were millions and millions and millions of slaves in rome undoubtedly some of the christians he was writing to were slaves they had no political authority They could not change their so what he's saying is not this is good or bad what he's saying is this is your circumstance here's how you live godly in this circumstance the other thing about slavery i'll mention really quick we think of slavery pretty much just in one vein in western uh in the western world in in rome uh slavery could show up in many different ways and some slavery was brutal but for many slaves in the roman empire they, they were actually professionals. They were doctors and artisans. They were managers uh, of, of great estates. Um, in, in many uh, cases, when slaves had the opportunity to gain freedom, they actually chose to remain in slavery because they had it so good with their, with their masters. In many ways, in our day, it would be seen as like employee-employer relationship. We could read it this way. Employees, submit yourselves to your employer's because you fear God. Employees, submit yourself. Put yourself under your employers because you fear God. And then he goes on and says, not only only to those who are good and considerate, not only when authority is good do you submit to it, but also to those who are harsh. Now, does this mean that when you're in a Suffering in a difficult situation and you have a way out that you don't get out because it's like, well, I'm just suffering for Jesus? No. If you have an opportunity to get out, but if you don't have an opportunity to get out, Peter says the option is suffering and honor and submission even to the authority that's not treating you all that well. And he goes on, and then he riffs on this idea for the next seven verses. (laughs) And it's unbelievable. He says this. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they're conscious of God. But what or how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? Remember, his point was, you should be known for your good works, for your good behavior. But if you suffer for doing good, and you endure it, this is commendable before God. It's actually not that bad. And then he says this, and this is mind-blowing, and this is something I push against all the time. To this, you were, everyone say it out loud. Really? I don't feel like I was called to that. Unjust? Suffering? He goes on because here's why you were called to it because christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps and suddenly everyone says i think i just want jesus as savior i don't want him as lord i think i want him as my savior but i do not want to follow him anymore because this is what peter says and maybe it's in the fine print when you kind of gave your life to christ this is this is what it could include that as you've come to follow jesus You will follow in Jesus' footsteps. And Jesus suffered, not for doing wrong, but for being right and doing what's good. And he suffered unjustly. In fact, that's what Peter says next. And he gives us the gospel message, but he shows us the gospel message through this unjust suffering of our savior, Jesus. He goes, he, Jesus committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth, meaning he was perfect And when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. He did not treat evil with evil. But when he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He said, I will not take personal revenge. I will leave this to my heavenly Father who will make things right one day. He himself bore our sins. This is the gospel in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live to righteousness, to live in the way he lived, even as it relates to bad authority. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You have returned to your heavenly father through the forgiveness of sins that came through the person of Jesus because he suffered unjustly. And Peter wraps this all up, and if you're not a Christian, I think you should consider becoming a Christian. (laughs) This is what your father, this is what your Savior did on your behalf. He took what was aimed at you and paid your debt on the cross. But as Peter wraps this up, he says, this is why, and this is how we live as Canadian and Christian." This is how we live in our workplaces when our employer is good and sometimes when our employer is not so good. And do we stay in in abusive situations if we don't have to? Absolutely not. But when there's not a choice, here's how you respond. And Peter says you respond the way Jesus responded and you trust justice to your heavenly father. To wrap this all up, I would leave you with this challenge. Because of Jesus... Honor those who are over you because of Jesus. Honor those who are over you. I think as followers of Jesus, we should be the absolute best citizens in all of Canada. I think people should look at us and be like, wow, I disagree with their position, but I like them. They honor others. I think as Christians, we should be the best second in command, the best not-in-control citizens of Canada. So I want to ask you, in what ways is maybe anti-authoritarian spirit starting in you? Where you just distrust every leader, every authority? In what ways is anti-authoritarianism welling up in you? In your different relationships, as Peter's called us, to submit to every human authority. As it relates to politics, I would suggest that if we were to live this out, it might look something like this. If you're on the left side of the political spectrum, that you honor so well people who disagree with you and the governing officials who are on the right side politically. You honor them so well that those political leaders would say, I disagree with their vote, but I wish our country had more citizens like them. And if you're on the left or the right side politically, that those who are governing officials on the right side, I said that opposite, on the left side, would say, I disagree with their vote. I think they're wrong. But the way they honor me, I wish there was more citizens in Canada like that. As we work in our workplaces, that employers who think we're absolutely nuts for our faith would say, I don't believe a word that they believe, but I want to hire more Christians because they honor me. They honor me. You know, regarding this word honor, I said I was going to talk about it a little bit more. When Peter uses the word honor and respect, he uses it as a verb, and this is really important. We typically honor or respect people who are honorable or respectable, which means they have earned the right to be honored or earned the right to be respected. And so we give them what they have earned, which means it's often reflective of them. When Peter uses this as a verb, he uses it as a verb because he's actually saying, this is to be reflective of you. It matters little. If the governing authorities are good or bad in Peter's mind, whether they're honorable or not honorable, but when we choose to step into the verb of honoring and respecting, that becomes reflective of our character, of us. So, because of Jesus, who's called us a new house, building us up into a holy nation to live differently. What would it look like for you to honor those who are over you? you? Remember, if you have any emails, send them to peter at (laughs) mountoliveefc.com. This is something for us to wrestle with, isn't it? How do we live as Canadian and Christian? We're all politically involved because our democracy demands it of us. How do we live with Christian character in our blog posts? and her conversations? What would it look like for you to honor those who are over you in your words, in your actions, and your attitudes? Because Jesus has asked you to. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.